it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, there it is. And here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. Broadcasting, as we always do, from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not celebrating the one-year anniversary of the Inflation Reduction Act, which, of course, was passed on the White House lawn a year ago today and has done nothing to combat inflation. What a fraud. No, instead, we spent hundreds of billions of dollars and claimed it was being done in the name of climate change. That is financial lunacy. But lo and behold, they'll be out there today at 2.30. The president is going to pat himself on the back for the job he's done of lowering inflation. That was embarrassing. It really was. We're going to walk through all of it. We're also going to get up to speed on the Trump legal goings-on with Katie Pavlich, a general in the Fela Fashion Army. We're also going to be talking with Riley Gaines, who has been on the front lines of probably the biggest culture war of our time, which is biological men swimming against biological women, something she became outspoken against after being forced to share a locker room uh, with Leah Thomas, who used to be Will Thomas, if you remember, and then was allowed to jump into the women's swimming pool, battle the swimmers, as well as shrinkage. Uh, Not a good time and not a biological truth, if we're being honest. Boys are boys from the beginning. If you were born a boy, you stay a boy. Girls are girls right from the start. If you were born a girl, you stay a girl and grow up to be a lady. Could you imagine if Mr. Rogers sang that in the year 2023, the the reaction on the left? He should be behind bars! Seriously, they might publicly execute the guy for speaking the biological truth. What the hell is the world coming to? I don't know, but if you'd like to come be a part of the show, the rules remain the same. Every day, it is 888 Nine nine one zero. Everybody in the world is welcome to contribute. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. No, ma'am. You could be a Republican. You could be a Democrat, Libertarian, Independent. You could be a member of the Whig Party. We don't care. Just don't be a. There it is. Happy Wednesday. If you saw me last night with Laura Ingram on the Ingram Angle, uh, thank you. You doubled my ratings. If one of you watched, I'm going to post that. Uh, It is on the Fox Across America website as we speak. We'll post it on the Fox Across America Facebook page as well. And, of course, we will remind you that tickets are on sale. Uh, You can participate in the pre-sale right now. Uh, You can get them full scale, up for sale for the general public this coming Friday to the one-hour taping of my Fox News stand-up comedy special. It is absolutely far and away the biggest night of my career, a night that would only be possible uh, or wouldn't even be remotely close to possible were it not for the undying support of so many of you out there that have come to my shows around the country and supported the show and watched me on TV. So it's kind of our night. I always say that's the hook of the show. I'm not the star we are. 
Uh, so if you're anywhere close to the area, it is Friday night, October the 13th at the Paramount Theater in Huntington on Strong Island, where I grew up. Uh, it is very much our night, so I'm hoping you can come out there and kind of share in that little comedic glory we have worked up for ourselves and our little movement. So if that's a thing for you, tickets on sale Friday. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Of course, the best comedy show anywhere in the world today will be taking place at the White House. Correct mundo. Okay, so Joe Biden, one year ago today, is going to be celebrating the anniversary of the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act. If you remember, they passed this last year on the White House lawn with a concert by James Taylor. That was absolutely dreadful. And as they did it, the latest employment numbers had come in, the latest inflation numbers had just been posted, and the stock market fell off a cliff as he was singing. It was one of those moments where you realize this is not an administration of serious people. Optics are more important to them than outcomes. You pass a bill called inflation reduction because you get the appearance that you care about inflation. That is a fact check false. Of course they don't care about inflation. Inflation is caused by too many dollars chasing too few goods. They pumped more money into the system. Okay, inflation at a 40-year high. Gas is back up 30 cents in the last month. This could be a problem. And it was only down to begin with. Why? Because Biden decimated our strategic petroleum reserves, flooded the market in an effort to lower prices. The problem being is your strategic petroleum reserves aren't there because a president has bad poll numbers. Your strategic petroleum reserves exist in case there's an act of God that debilitates our ability to produce fuel, in case there's a war that heightens the production demand. But Biden went in and decimated them to the lowest level since 1984 to help him out at the midterms. That's stupid. Use your common sense. But nothing is dumber, okay, than what we're getting out of this administration now, a celebration for a bill that didn't work. The Associated Press, we read you this report Monday says any slowdown in inflation could not be attributed in any way, shape, or form to the, the components of this bill. Come on, man. Couldn't be done. And why is that? Because this bill, according to the Congressional Budget Office, flat out was going to add to inflation in the short term and in a best-case scenario projected to be a break even in the long term. Do either of those things actually lower inflation at any term? The answer would be no. Nope. And that's why we're in this place. Okay, well, they're going to go out today. They're going to celebrate because they want the optic heading into this big election summer. Okay, about to start the primary season in the fall. Okay, they want everybody to go, look at the great stuff we did on inflation. It's amazing. We're saving the... Democrats are so full of crap. Yeah, just so you understand. We read a report to you on the show yesterday with Brian Brenberg. He's an economics whiz. Okay, he hosts the Big Money Show on Fox Business. The average family under Joe Biden's leadership is spending 709 additional dollars a month, meaning Biden's presidency cost your household an extra 709 bucks a month. Okay, you weren't spending that before he got in. Okay, the only presidency that had a higher, okay, this matters. Donald Trump reduced household expenses 
Under the Trump administration, the regulatory burden on household expenses was lowered for the average family by $2,439 a year. $2,439 a year your family saved by having Trump in the, in the Oval Office. Okay, Biden is costing your family upwards of $8,500. Biden sucks. Okay, the number on Obama was close to 1000 I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. Why? Because when they tax and spend and force policies down our throats, okay, somebody has to pay for it. And that person is always you. Just hold on to your pocketbook. They just put a lien on your money, your savings, and your retirement. I mean, that's the Inflation Reduction Act, and it's passed under a fraudulent name. Okay, it is a climate change bill. Okay, Biden has since said to the Associated Press, well, I wish I didn't call it the Inflation Reduction Act. You had to call it the Inflation Reduction Act, or there's no way in hell that the bill would have passed. He knows what he's talking about. Okay, they passed was a Trojan horse. Everybody's worried about inflation. We'll go out and pass an inflation bill. And that's what they did. They passed an inflation bill, shoehorned their agenda into it, and did nothing to actually combat inflation. That's just how white folks will do you. Yet today, and I'm telling you, these are not serious people. I grew up in an America, like legit, where I thought like the people who ran things were like geniuses. Wrong. But I thought that. I'm like, wow, these guys are in charge. They're on top of it. They just, they're red, white, and blue like me. You understand? Like, I was duped, man. Duped hard. Because I grew up in Levittown, and it was the biggest post-World War II settlement. It was America's first suburb. Everybody who lived there was a veteran who served in World War II and returned home to buy a home on the GI Bill, okay, and raised a family, built above-ground pools, drank a lot of cheap beer, played a ton of wiffle whiff, ball, rode a lot of bikes, and fought like crazy, a lot of good fights. And it was tough. Like, if you grew up in Levittown, you got into fights. You were never fighting somebody bad at fighting uh, because they, you know, they grew up around combat veterans. <laughs> so your parents beat you if you got in trouble. Uh, and they were skilled at it, you know. It wasn't just that you get hit with a belt or a spoon, a left, a right cross, a bob and weave, you know, <laughs> a fadeaway straight. I mean, these guys had skills. It was like you raised by Roy Jones Jr. It was crazy. But you understand everybody I grew up around, like, actually, like, loved the country. They were willing to die for it. So I grew up under the pretense that everybody running this place felt the same way that I did. I had no idea. Okay, because the people running this place right now are running it into the ground, and they're trying to tell you that it's working. Here is Janet Yellen, not a serious person. Like, Janet Yellen belongs in an actual circus. Straight up. Okay, because here she is over on CNN claiming that we're well off the high gas prices. Okay, but here's a newsflash, girlfriend. The prices have gone back up by 30 cents in the last month. Are you stupid or something? Clip 31. Well, we've seen some increase, uh, partly because of the summer driving season and global factors, but gas prices are down uh, off their highs over $1.20. So, of course, this is an area of uncertainty, but... Um, we're certainly well off the highs. You don't have a clue. Okay, great. So let's spike the football, okay? Gas was $2.39 when you took office. Okay, I just paid four forty nine a gallon. Party time! <laughs> These people are idiots. And the optics are so much more important than the outcomes. Tell people they're doing well. But again, people know if they're not doing well. 70% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck right now. You know, you know, 70% of Americans, 70% of Americans are living paycheck 
to paycheck. This is why we're living in the golden age of people selling feet pics on OnlyFans. Okay, I'm one of them. Jenny, I got Jenny's feet up. Well, they're my feet, but I'm using her profile picture. I'm not an idiot. Okay, no one's to look at mine, but I mean, you're looking at them, and thanks for the support, fellas. But here's Janet Yellen, that notwithstanding, telling us that most Americans feel good about their financial situation. Clip 32. It is important to recognize that when they're asked how are they personally doing, over 70% of Americans um, say that they're very comfortable with their financial situation. That is a lie. They seem to perceive the economy uh, as a whole as doing less well than they are personally. But most Americans feel good about their own economic situation. That is offensive, and it is not true. 70% of Americans right now are living paycheck to paycheck. Do you think they feel good about that? That at the beginning of the week, they have no idea how they're going to survive till the end of the week? That at the beginning of the month, they have no idea how they're going to pay their bills at the end of the month? Does that really sound like a good time to you? That's the reality they've created. And they're running a straight confidence scheme in the media. No, no, we'll just tell them they're doing well. As if people won't notice they're not doing well. If the Biden regulatory burden on households is costing people an extra $709 a month, okay, believe me, they feel it. People know the difference. It's like lying in your online dating profile, okay? You can post a picture that makes you look a lot better than you are, but eventually it's going to backfire because they're going to meet you in person. Seriously. And that's where we are as a White House. Okay, they're lying about their online dating profile. They're trying to tell the American people things are much prettier than they are. And they'll go to any length to do it, even bursting into song as they did with James Taylor a year ago today on the White House lawn. So Biden's scheduled to get out there again today and dump the Gatorade on himself after losing the football game. Why? Because our country is being run by morons. Stock market was falling, but there was Joe on the lawn Saying the bill they passed would help me and you But inflation is soaring, and my savings are gone Joe can't remember who he's talking to Joe's a liar and he's insane Spend sunny days in the basement with no friends He's seen Hunter's crimes but the press won't cover them And he's shaking hands with invisible men It's America's Life Coach Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We're hanging out in New York City. 
right now discussing the goings-on in Clown Town, otherwise known as Washington, D.C. The president spoke yesterday and announced he'll be traveling to Maui next week. I don't remember that ever happening. I mean, to be clear, he's not actually going to survey the damage. It's just another town with a beach. That's pretty much where he spends his whole presidency. Biden is such a disaster. <laughs> That's crazy. Here is Kai Lenny. She's, of course, a pro surfer. She's on CBS yesterday. Okay, Biden, of course, got in front of the reporters, said he's given them all the help they need. Everything's going to be great. And, you know, you lying your ass off. Not my words. Here's Kai Lenny, clip 23. We were kind of sitting back waiting for help to arrive and then nothing was sort of happening. We were just in shock. It was just like day after day. Where are they? I haven't seen, you know, one state, one county, one federal official at any one of the donation hubs where people are most suffering. People are sleeping in their cars. That's just reality. Welcome to the Biden administration, home to the new slogan, America last. Seriously, think about that. While Maui's burnt to the ground, like it is horrific and your heart breaks. Okay, we're close to 100 deaths now. Okay, less than 5% have been identified because we're talking about that kind of a death. This is horrific. And we got two days of no comment out of the White House when in the history of tragedies like this, there's only one comment. It's, you know, your heart breaks. We're going to do everything we can. In this case, we got ah, no comment. I'm going for a bike ride. It's embarrassing. A real lack of leadership in the White House. But here is Biden yesterday apologizing because he was talking about the Maui stuff and it made a speech go long. It's clip 24. I apologize because I try very hard to keep my speeches between 15 and 18 minutes. But I got to talk a little bit about Hawaii. I've been on the phone with the governor coming up here and the senators. And, uh, and let, let, me, let me say, address that devastating wildfires, some of which are still burning in Hawaii. They've claimed the lives of 99 people so far, and they haven't cleaned things up yet. The deadliest wildfire in more than 100 years. A whole city destroyed. Generations of native Hawaiian history turned into ruin. FEMA, search and rescue teams are sifting through the ashes in that five-mile area that you've seen on television has been burned. Such an idiot. Okay, you think about that. He's reading a prepared remark about a fire. By the way, as he said in his prepared remark, okay, fire's still burning. And Joe Biden is three days in before he even issues a comment. You gotta do better than that. I mean, remember, we were told by Jill Biden... Empathy is back in the office. Not even close. Empathy. Yeah, hundred people are dead in a fire. Anything on that, Mr. President? Yeah, pass a sunscreen. I'm going to go showcase my C cup in a lounge chair. Can we stop showing topless photos of our saggy breasted president? It's not a good look for the world. It's not a good look for anybody. Not to mention the little kids he's trying to sniff on the beach. reality with a bit of insanity it's fox across america with jimmy Fallon. yeah gas prices 239 when biden took office they're now 396 and janet yellen's out there being like nah things are going good we got the gas under control (laughs) clowns we're not led by serious people which is why there's such an intense race to replace them now i gotta tell you 
Okay, there is a part of me, Jimmy Fallon, your radio buddy, the guy you see on TV a lot, there's a part of me right now that genuinely feels bad for Ron DeSantis. There's a slob. There's a real slob. No, no, I mean this. Okay, this is like, this is serious analysis, and this is like a a, a personal experience I had that I'll deal you in on. So last night, I was on the Ingram Angle uh, with myself and Laura doing our little branded segment, WTF, What the Fallon? It's what they call it, silly, and it's fun. We talk about irreverent things. It's like a break from the news. So we were talking about the fact yesterday that a lot of people are having sex in driverless taxi cabs in San Francisco. Oh, yes. I've read about that in the Bible. It's a really goofy segment. And as you'd imagine, it's pretty loose because Laura's asking me about things I've seen in a taxi. And it's a very charismatic segment in that we're laughing. It's wildly unscripted. And Laura's funny. Like, she'll say funny things. And she'll pep up and take shots at me and call me a dirtbag or say something about the picture that I'm in that's on the screen, and it's fun and it's peppy, okay? So that's going on, and waiting to come on after my segment, the last segment of the show, is Ron DeSantis. And I say that not because I don't like DeSantis. I actually think he'd probably be one of the most effective guys that you could stick in the Oval Office. Wrong. But I do in the sense that he's gotten a lot done in Florida. Okay, the problem is I don't know that he could elect get elected to do the job. I like I think he can do the hell out of it, but I don't know that he can get elected. I mean, Trump is crushing the field right now. Number one, number two, DeSantis does come off as a little stiff, and it looked so bad after our hit last night to have a guy on there with Laura who was just doing rock 'em sock 'em, making balloon animals. Pick a card, any card from anywhere in the deck. You know, fun. She's being great. Laughing. Silly. Making fun of me. We're having laughs. And then DeSantis comes on and just talks in, you know, boring, staid talking points. And uh, I got it. Was, Get him out of here. Get him out. There's no way it was a good look. It was. I genuinely felt bad for him. In fact, I talked to a producer on the show that I'm good friends with last night. And I was like, gosh, I feel bad going on before DeSantis because it made him look boring afterwards. But apparently, you know, scheduling and stuff, it just happens to work out that way. So there was DeSantis last night uh, after we were rocking out, <laughs> having a good time, talking about a new birth of freedom and all types of things you memorize before you go in front of a TV audience when you're running for president. And that's where he runs into trouble, okay, is we're now in a new era where you run for president the way you run for class president. Okay, you get out there, you have fun, you tell jokes. Okay, I said Trump runs for president like you're running for president of your fantasy football league. Like he starts a group chat and starts insulting everybody and their mother. It's actually kind of funny. And you can tell me it's not presidential, but this is the problem. And this is the reason he was able to win this thing one time, okay? We had decades of people who knew how to act presidential, but behind the scenes, they were doing all kinds of pornographic stuff to our country, okay? They were ruining it, decimating our manufacturing base, outsourcing our jobs, letting our border get overrun, lying our way into multiple wars that we had no business being in. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. The truth is they kind of do know what they're doing, okay? It's what this is what they want to do. That being said, when DeSantis gets out there and espouses good policies, he still finds himself in this measured prose of a traditional dyed-in-the-wool politician and just looked boring. And uh, 
I felt bad. I felt bad. I felt bad doing that to him last night. I genuinely did. I'm not here to influence electoral politics. Like I told you, my hook is I'll give you an opinion on anything, anything. I don't, you know, whatever. You don't have to agree. It's that's the that's the beauty of this. And there's a lot of nationally syndicated talk shows out there that are just pistol whipping you into com- compliance. If you're calling up to disagree, you're getting shouted down and you're a loser and get off the phone. Whereas, you know, maybe you'll enlighten me. Lord knows I've been wrong about plenty. Talking to you, Jenny. I'm kidding. I love you the best. Uh, happy anniversary. It's this Friday. Here's DeSantis on Ingram after we're done talking about sex and in driverless taxi cabs. Uh, me and Laura talking about people I've seen hook up in the back of my cab. It's, you know. I love it when you talk dirty. Okay. Well, it's about to get cleaned up in a hurry. Here is DeSantis uh, clip 17. I think going forward, the question really is, is what are we going to do about all this, Laura? And what we need to do is get a president, obviously can beat Biden, but that could actually end the weaponization of federal power through the DOJ, the FBI. So, for example, with me as president, on day one, Christopher Wray gets sent packing. You're going to see the DOJ cleared out. We are going to ensure a single standard of justice in this country again. And, and I can say that with credibility because I've done that in the state of Florida. We've drained the swamp in here. Okay, listen, not wrong, but not exciting, you dig? Uh, here's a little more, though. He's talking about you know the GOP and whether or not they can win without Trump, clip 18. Well, I would also say 2022 in Georgia, you saw Governor Brian Kemp win a thumping reelection, uh, better than a lot of people were predicting. You know, Donald Trump opposed him uh, throughout that, that election, even suggested Stacey Abrams would be a better governor. And then in Florida, you know, we won reelection by a record margin for a Republican, over 1.5 million votes. You know, Donald Trump attacked me uh, three days before the midterm election. And so I think when you're talking about voters uh, in our party base, that may be a problem if you nominate some Rockefeller Republican, but it's not going to be a problem if you nominate somebody like me. This guy will say anything. Trump did actually suggest Stacey Abrams would be better uh, <laughs> than Brian Kemp would be as the governor of Georgia. Stacey Abrams is full of Trump's attacks on DeSantis have been very unhinged. You know, he's he's leveling lines of attack that you'd expect to hear from MSNBC. But I get it. That's how Trump does this. Trump is the Andrew Galata of politics. Okay, Andrew Galata was an old boxer, Polish fighter, headbutt you, bite you, punch you in the nuts, elbow you in the back of the head when the ref wasn't looking. He fought dirty. Trump fights dirty. Okay, not as dirty as the Democrats, but the magic of the Democrats is they talk in measured prose. You know what I mean? They make it, we're decent. We're the people of decorum and decency. While they're launching soft coups against a president with a fake <laughs> with a fake probe about Russian collusion between him and them. It was made up by these sick people. Okay, but understand, that's what they do. They say the right things. We're on the side of decency. Donald Trump is a threat to democracy because he questioned the legitimacy of our elections is what he did. <laughs> I think it's also critical to understand that as i've been telling candidates who have come to see me you can run the best campaign you can even become the nominee and you can have the election stolen from you and you hear the people cheering by the way in the background cheering because she said an election was stolen yet those same people now cheering because donald trump has been indicted 
for questioning the legitimacy of an election. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've heard of. They have no self-awareness. That's who they are. None. Zero. Zip. Zilch. Okay, I played your montage yesterday. It was five minutes long of Stacey Abrams repeatedly saying the Georgia election was stolen. Down in the state of Georgia, they have just indicted Donald Trump for saying the election was stolen in Georgia. Anybody spare a word for the idea of indicting Stacey Abrams? It's bananas. But this is the truth. Stuff's going to continue to happen to Trump. So Republicans aren't actually fighting back. They'll be like, this is wrong. It's not good. That's why you got to elect me. Okay, and that's the core of this. Everybody running right now, and you got to know this if you're a Trump supporter, just so you get it, okay? People are going to say the right things. I'm going to play you a montage of people saying the fourth indictment against Trump is ridiculous and it shouldn't go on. It wouldn't happen to anybody else. But at the end of the day, they're not doing anything because they want him to get thrown off the ticket. They want to beat him. Okay, if people really thought this was a judicial overreach, they'd be saying, you know what? I care about this country so much. I'm going to withdraw my name from this race and we're going to throw all of our energy behind Trump and fighting these indictments and getting the country back under control because we can't let the Democrats do this. But the truth is there's a have it both ways thing going on where, yeah, they're going to condemn what's happening to Trump. And then when the camera shuts off, they're going to go back to praying that the guy goes to jail. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. Okay, understand if it's so awful, if Trump is this exalted supreme leader and the Republicans know he's only being wronged because of who he is. Why? Seriously, why are any of them still running against the guy? I think he's got a point. Because they all want to be in charge. They're hoping he goes to jail. Like, no one tells you this stuff. There's a real rally around the flag thing going on in the Republican Party that I'll tell you everything you want to know. Everything you want to know, okay? The Republicans are in a position where every one of them who's running for president wants to beat Trump with all the fiber in their being, but they can't run the risk of alienating his supporters because the only way to win the actual general election is to turn out the vote in massive numbers because the Democrats have a big lead when it comes to voter turnout because of mail-in balloting, ballot harvesting, and drop boxes. The Democrats are not only beating them with living voters, but they're beating them with dead voters. I mean, this is a big gap to close, you understand. So whoever the Republican nominee is going to be, He needs to galvanize the support of the Trump base if, in fact, Trump is not in the race. And there is a very good chance, just so everyone listening understands, no one is telling you this right now. I'm going to tell you this. Some of you are going to get mad. So buckle up. Okay. there's a very good chance that Trump is not the Republican nominee. Okay. if it was decided today, yes, he'd win. But what you're ultimately going to run into when it comes to early voting, when it comes to swing states that decide this election, is the reality that you and me might follow politics all the time and go, wow, these indictments are clearly politically motivated. And the truth is they are politically motivated. Trump could have been indicted for Georgia a year ago, could have been indicted for Georgia two years ago. So the fact that he's only being indicted right now with evidence they had two years ago means they're doing it for the politics. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. If this was an egregious thing, he gets nominated a year ago. He gets nominated, he gets, excuse me, indicted a year ago. He gets indicted two years ago. Okay, it's no different than January 6th. They could have indicted him for January 6th on January 7th. That's true. That is true. Okay, but they didn't. They waited because they wanted to hamstring the election. Okay, you know that. I know that. But you understand, it's 330 million people in this country. Okay, most of them don't follow politics on the level that you and I do. And the reality 
of the Republicans nominating a guy to be their general election candidate who has been indicted four times and might have even been convicted by then means it really is a non-starter. Okay, no one's telling you this. I'll tell you this, and then we can forget I said it for a few weeks and come back to it in a month so no one gets too worked up. But a lot of the leadership in Republican media circles are kind of making this problem worse. I'm not lying, man. Okay, because when it comes to the general election, okay, where Trump really lost big with independents and really lost big with suburban women, okay, does being under four different indictments actually get those people to come running back to your circle? The answer would be no. No. No matter how much we yell and scream that it's a political persecution, because it is. No matter how much you yell and scream that the Bidens are corrupt entities and that they killed the laptop and interfered in the 2020 election, okay, people are only going to walk into that polling booth based on the knowledge they themselves have. And that knowledge is they've never voted for a guy in a general election that was under one indictment, let alone four. This is the difficulty of the times we're living in. Here's a montage of every Republican saying the right thing. Ah, this Trump indictment is bad. In fact, it's so bad, they're going to continue to run against Trump, just like all these Democrats. Here it is, clip 16. Look, our country is in decline for a number of different reasons, economic, cultural. But part of the reason we're in decline is because our constitutional system is totally out of whack. The reality is when you have a police state that overreaches as much as it has, They need to be held accountable. It would be a lot easier for me if he weren't in this race, if this was about me winning. But this is about standing on the side of principle. It's more baggage uh, that we're going to have to deal with, and it prevents uh, Republicans from talking about the problems of Hunter Biden. It prevents us from talking about how Joe Biden administration is failing to deal with the Chinese government. It's another example of two-tiered system of justice, incredibly unfair. I mean, listen, it is incredibly unfair, but in terms of these answers... This is politics as usual. Listen to Vivek. I mean, the Vivek's answer is funny. And Vivek's been on this show. I see him at Fox all the time when he's on TV. I genuinely like him. He's funny. Okay. If it were about me winning, but this is about standing on the side of principle. Dude, if you say it's not about you winning, then what are you doing in the race? Okay, why are you there if it's not about you winning? Of course it's about you winning. You're running because you want to win. Okay, just like DeSantis, just like Will Hurd. I know no one knows who that is, but that was Will Hurd and that. And Larry Elder jumped in as well. Larry Elder's a funny guy. Uh, I like Larry Elder. I've met him a few times here at Fox on Hannity stuff. Funny dude. But understand, okay, they're all staying in the race because they don't actually care what happens to Trump at the end of the day. What they're saying is this is horrible. That's why you got to elect. Me. I'll do something about it. They've got to hold them accountable. And the way to hold them accountable is to give me what I want. That's the pitch here. And no one's having that honest conversation with you. The party leaders don't want Trump to be the nominee. Do you think Mitch McConnell wants Trump to be the nominee? Would you stop it? He didn't want him to be the nominee the first time. They tried to screw him out of the nomination the first time. In the run-up to the 2016 convention, the RNC established a website explaining to voters how a brokered convention was going to work. Meaning if somebody had made it to Cleveland without clearing the delegate threshold for the nomination, they were going to put it to a floor vote and nominate somebody other than Trump. You can do that if somebody hasn't clinched the necessary delegates. Believe me, if they wind up in that situation this time around, there is no way in hell party leadership is giving Trump the nomination. So, yeah, you could tell me he's going to win it outright, but it's going to be harder than you guys think. I'm not saying it won't be done and you can't ever underestimate Trump. 
because nobody on earth thought he'd win in 2016, including him. Okay, they were so shocked to have beaten Hillary Clinton that they hadn't even built a transition team. If you remember, Chris Christie was in charge of the transition team and hadn't even put anything together because he didn't think it was ever going to happen. Think about that. Okay, but that's where we find ourselves now. Trump is facing what a lot of people would consider to be insurmountable odds if they were leveling with you honestly. Okay, could he win the nomination? Absolutely. Can he win the general? I got to tell you, man, it's going to be really tough. Okay, nobody wants to say that because we're having this rally around the flag moment. But did you notice that everybody rallying around the flag with Trump is also simultaneously running against him in the election? That's the scam here. I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. Don't go anywhere. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. Wow. If you're listening on one of our Pittsburgh affiliates, WJAS, maybe on Beaver County Radio, here's something you didn't know. Joe Biden, the president, claims he saw a bridge collapse right there in Pittsburgh in 2022. Uh, It is clip 21. A lot of you were with me when I was in Pittsburgh. By the way, the Pittsburgh is a city of bridges, more bridges in Pittsburgh than any other city in America. I watched that bridge collapse. I got there and saw it collapse with over 200 feet off the ground going over a valley. And it collapsed. Thank God school was out during the, during the pandemic. <laughs> I'll say it again. Biden did not witness a bridge collapsing in Pittsburgh. He was not there uh, at the time, <laughs> nor was he there immediately after. But this is the reality We are all living in, in this America, in the year 2023. We have a president that is clearly not all there. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, girlfriend, and we are back in action with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. I was not misrepresented in the media yesterday, but our guest in this hour was Katie Pavlich is going to be stopping by to discuss some comments that were taken wildly out of context by the media. The media is a bunch of losers. They really are. And we'll get into that and so much more. We're going to talk Trump stuff. We're going to talk about Biden's disastrous day yesterday where he went (laughs) to Pittsburgh and said he witnessed a bridge collapse. Didn't quite happen. Uh, it, it is a comedy of errors, if you will. Uh, and we're basically, do you remember the old Walk of Life video by Dire Straits? And they just showed you bloopers of guys dropping the ball and stuff. That's essentially what we're doing for the next hour. It's just bloopers in Washington, D.C. Country is being destroyed by stupid people, by very stupid people. It is crazy. Uh, but let me tell you something. The one thing that used to hold this country together in areas of common ground. What I mean by common, just common ground was like certain acceptable truths were there. So no matter how divided we got politically, there were always these retreat points where there was still some order left in society. But what the media has done now, and it's really fascinating to watch it happen, is they've just aligned themselves with whatever the principle is that's being espoused by the Democratic Party. Journalism in this country is dead and buried. Like, to give you an example, the media, okay, is now editing dictionaries, 
Okay, they're now editing copy and changing acceptable prose on websites and at places like the Associated Press when it comes to gender ideology. They're now telling you with a straight face, okay, that what Fred Rogers was singing in the 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s is no longer true. Only girls can be the mummies. Only boys can be the daddies. Yes, sir. So, I mean, Fred Rogers, again, if he sang that now, they'd be like, who's this monster? Who's this bigoted transphobe committing trans genocide? Okay, that's what they did to our girl Riley Gaines. Riley Gaines is going to be joining us in the last hour of today's show. She was literally attacked at the University of San Francisco in the name of tolerance. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. Okay, because the Democrats have normalized this idea that speech is violence. If you don't agree with us, it's because you are filled with hate and you are wishing harm onto people. Folks will hear your sentiments expressed that men can have babies out of their butts or wherever they're coming out of. What the hell did you just say? Listen, I hope they're coming out of their butts because if they're coming out of the other option... Not, not that one would be much better than the other, but the fact remains, biological men can't have babies. But the media is now playing along with the idea that they can because this is the narrative being advanced by the left, where we've had actual experts, where we had an actual Supreme Court nominee say she couldn't define a woman. That was embarrassing. Think about it. Ketanji John Braxton, can you tell me what a woman is? Well, I'm not a biologist so i wouldn't actually tell the i mean are you stupid it's the dumbest thing i've ever heard you blockhead okay but they take they adopt these positions why because the media they are now activists masquerading as journalists so what happened to katie pavlich yesterday is they claimed that katie pavlich said on special report trump's attempt to overturn the election was a normal political Process. You're not telling me the truth. Because it's not what she said. Okay, and we'll play you what she said. But according to the writer at Mediaite, Fox News contributor Katie Pavlich characterized Donald Trump's active effort to overturn the 2020 election as something that is supposed to be a normal political process. In her analysis, immediately before the quote that was taken out of context, she asserted that there are bigger picture questions here about whether these continued indictments amount to the criminalization of the pursuit of a recount. Whether you agree or disagree with the president's pursuit of that, the language that was used and a chilling environment that these indictments create with the Republican chairman across the country or with lawyers who may want to work for Republican campaigns because given the history we've seen with Democrats and denying elections and pursuing recounts and maybe doing things differently than laid out in this indictment. That's a lot of words right there, none of which are, hey, overturning the election ain't no thing. Don't you even worry about it. Why are we even questioning Trump? Katie didn't say that. What she said is it would seem an awful lot like the Donald Trump indictment is a smaller part of a bigger picture. And here here are her words in full context, clip four. There are bigger picture questions here about whether these continued indictments amount to the criminalization of the pursuit of a recount, whether you agree or disagree with the president's pursuit of that, the language that was used, and a chilling environment that these indictments create with 
Republican uh, chairman across the country or with lawyers who may want to work for Republican campaigns because given uh, the history we've seen with Democrats and denying elections and pursuing recounts and, and maybe doing things differently than laid out in this indictment, but it, it does feel like Democrats are allowed to pursue those things while Republicans are now being indicted for the, what is supposed to be a normal political process. I admire your honesty. Okay, because she is being honest. It would seem like Republicans are being indicted for things the Democrats did. Okay, the Democrats, make no mistake about it, said the 2020 election was stolen. Okay, they said Trump wasn't a legitimate president. Okay, including the person at the top of the ticket, Hillary Clinton. I believe he knows he's an illegitimate president. He knows. He knows that there were a bunch of different reasons why the election turned out the way it did. And I take responsibility for those parts of it that I should. But, Jane, it was like applying for a job and getting 66 million letters of uh, recommendation and losing to a corrupt human tornado. I mean, think about that. Would you shut up? I mean, you should, but she ain't gonna. She was on MSNBC with Rachel Maddow the other night telling us, no, this is, the system is working. It wounds us as a democracy to question. Uh, listen to Rachel Maddow. This is clip nine. The system of democracy at its heart is the idea that the people get to decide how we are governed. And if we, be- if we no longer believe that our will is effectuated through the system, if bad actors tell us falsely that every election is stolen and that the only way an election is uh, trustworthy is if they come out on top of it, um, then something it's, it, it's, it tells you something not just about that person or that moment. It maybe wounds us as a democracy and in a way that is hard to repair. You are so full of shit. And why do we say that? Because Rachel Maddow was leading the charge for three years to say that Russia stole the 2016 election, night in and night out. It's all we did. Now nah, it's Russia, and the walls are closing, and he's going to jail. And again, if you're talking about wounding us as a democracy, why wasn't Rachel Maddow front and center during this outburst by the Democratic Party? As I've been telling candidates who have come to see me, you can run the best campaign, you can even become the nominee, and you can have the election stolen from you. Do you agree that Donald Trump is, in effect, not a legitimate president? I think that there's no question that the process that elected him was not legitimate. The president-elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. Donald Trump is an illegitimate president. I think the interference, although not yet quantified, uh, if fully investigated, would show that Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. So do you believe President Trump is an illegitimate president? Based on what I just said, which I can't retract. (laughs) (laughs) Trump knows he's an illegitimate president who got illegitimate foreign help. She is a fraud, a phony, a woman without a moral core, a regular two-faced, mealy-mouthed politician who swings with the wind. Straight up. Okay. Hillary Clinton, Rachel Maddow, after three years of Russia stole the election, Trump's not legitimate. And let's be very clear, okay? Here's a five-minute montage. I won't play. I'll give you a minute and 20, okay? I'll give you a minute, okay? We have so much of this. You've all heard it on the show, so I don't want to belabor the point. But this is the Democrats legitimately saying the voting machines were hacked. 
this 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 montage I'm going to play you includes the current sitting vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, who claims with a straight face the machines were so hackable when the Democrats lost in 2016 that she held a demonstration in her office just to hack the machines and so, show people how easy it was. Kamala is a lying sociopath. Fact check. But this is real. Listen to this. I continue to think that our voting machines are too vulnerable. In 2018, electronic voting machines in Georgia and Texas deleted votes for certain candidates Mm. or switched votes from one candidate to another. The biggest seller of voting machines is doing something that violates cybersecurity 101, directing that you install remote access software, which would make a machine like that you know, a magnet for fraudsters and hackers. These voting machines can be hacked quite easily. <laughs> you could easily hack into them. It makes it seem like all these states are doing different things, but in fact, three companies are controlling this. There are a lot of states that are dealing with antiquated machines, right, which are vulnerable to being hacked. Workers were able to easily hack into an electronic voting machine. It was possible to switch votes. 43% of American voters use voting machines that researchers have found have serious security flaws, including back doors. We know how vulnerable now our systems were. We know, I know the hackathon that took place last year where virtually every machine was broken into fairly quickly. I actually held a demonstration for my colleagues here at the Capitol um, where we brought in um, folks who, before our eyes, hacked election machines. Um, those that are not, those that are being used in many states. <laughs> Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. Ha-ha! The voting machine, are you talking to me about wounding our democracy, undermining faith in the integrity of the elections? That's Kamala Harris flat out saying, no, we actually brought in a group of experts to hack the machines in my office just to show everybody how hackable they were. That is a lie. But she went with it. And did anybody question them? No. Was anybody in that montage arrested? No. Was anybody indicted? No. Stacey Abrams yesterday, we played a five-minute clip of her saying the Georgia election was stolen. But yet in the state of Georgia, they're indicting Donald Trump for saying the election was stolen. Do you understand what Katie Pavlich was trying to say is the Democrats in this instance, okay, are having it both ways. Yes, it's okay for them to deny every election that they lose question the integrity of the voting machines, claim foreign entities, hijack the process, say anything you want. Don't worry about it. You're not going to jail. You're a Democrat. Yet they're prosecuting Trump for doing exactly what they did, not just because it's a double standard, but because they're trying to terrify people who might want to run as a Republican, who might want to work as a Republican, that, hey, if you do that, we're going to lock you up. Are you threatening me, sir? They are absolutely threatening anybody who wants to engage in the same type of discourse that they themselves have been a part of for every election that they've lost. This is Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes? That's all, folks. Okay, it's reality. That's what's going on right now. And then you hear them jump in and, oh, you know, protect the country and democracy, and this is not politically motivated. Here's the four-person in Georgia, Emily Kors. Absolute moonbat did a media tour on CNN, okay, and was talking about how awesome this was back in the spring, okay, when she was talking about the possibility that they were going to indict Trump and how awesome it would be to swear him in. Clip 14. I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. Mm. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump. 
of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in, I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. You're a loony. Here's a little more Emily Coors talking about how something better happened to Trump. This is clip 15. Did you recommend charges against Donald Trump? What would your reaction be if the DA decides against bringing any charges after what you've seen? I will be sad if nothing happens. I, I will be frustrated if nothing happens. This was too much, too much information, too much of my time. There was just too much for this to just be, oh, okay, we're good, bye. And if it was just a perjury charge? I will be happy as long as something happens. <laughs> what would you do with the brain if you had one? I mean, seriously. Too much has happened, you guys. I was, like, with my squad. We were doing, like, Wiccan witch rituals and, like, hanging out. And I had to, like, cut that short to come be a jury for person against a former president of the United States. And, like, so much happened. Like, he needs to go to jail. Like, something has to go on. Oh, shut up, woman. Okay, calling that out is ridiculous. Okay, is I, I to be honest with you, it should be the standard practice of anybody who's observing any of this. These are people literally fundraising, running for elected positions off the fact that they'll prosecute Donald Trump. Seen it in Georgia. We've seen it here in New York with Letitia James. Alvin Bragg made it a hallmark of him getting into office as the district attorney. Hey, forget all the guys raping women and throwing people onto subway platforms. There's an ex-president that nailed a stripper and paid her in singles instead of by check. Hubba, hubba. I guess. But the point is, Trump is not being prosecuted because they really believe at their core that what he did was wrong. And we know that because they did it themselves. Okay, Trump is being prosecuted so that everybody else out there gets this Looney Tunes message that if you engage in the same discourse as the Democrats, you're going down too. That's all, folks. It's America's number one radio lunch date. Get your hands out of my fries. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I own damn fries. It's the morning show that uh, overslept Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is just a stampede of stupidity everywhere you look in the world of politics. We're supposed to be the conversational port and storm. That's what we call Fox Across America. Uh, I don't get on the horn here as the all-knowing radio host, the omnipotent one that you must agree with. Uh, but I am smarter than all of the people out there pretending to be smart. They have no self-awareness. They're operating from a place of emotion. Again, I went to community college. I didn't even go. I just enrolled so I could stay on my parents' health insurance. But I've learned enough to know that the most of the people in media now are operating from a place of emotion that denies them self-awareness. Like, here is Joe Scarborough. He's over on CNN. He's trying to tell you, uh, excuse me, he's trying to tell you that Trump is scared of Chris Christie. Okay, this is the part. It's, I mean, but here it is, clip 22. I do think he's scared of Chris Christie. He saw what Chris Christie did to Marco Rubio when Chris Christie went into a bait with one thing in mind. He <laughs> knows Chris Christie put Jared Kushner's father in jail for a very long time. He knows he's a prosecutor who's ruthless and knows how, how to, to push his case. And he also knows that his secret sauce in 2016 was being the disruptor. Right, shaking Hillary Clinton up on the debate stage, shaking the Marcos uh, and everybody else up on the debate stage. That gig, that's like eight years old, right? 
That's Elvis in 77 now. And um, I think Chris Christie's got his number. And he knows. Hey, Donald Trump, the gut instinct, obviously, his political gut instinct is second to none. Like, he sees it coming. And so I just don't, I, I think he's scared to death of Chris Christie and will not have the guts to go or the nerve to go on uh, stage with Chris Christie anywhere. You are a sad, strange little man. I mean, seriously, Joe Scarborough. Here's a newsflash, and this is why it's so funny. Like Chris Christie, okay, put him to the side for a second. Okay, Joe Scarborough was a guy Trump was friends with. He used to go on Trump's show all the time, and it really burnt Joe Scarborough's balls when Trump started stopped showing up and rose to this omnipotent place in media where he became the most relevant human being in the world. But when you hear Joe Scarborough getting emotional about Trump and he can only report on him in an emotional fashion, what I tell you all the time is emotion denies you the self-awareness to ask critical questions about the things you're saying. Donald Trump already ran against Chris Christie once, you idiot, and he mopped the floor with him. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. It's America's life coach, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You better believe it, girlfriend. And if the band sounds fired up, it's because they are. Joining us now, superstar, Fox News contributor, a general in the Fallon fashion army, Katie Pavlich is back in the house. Hey, girl. Hey, Jimmy. How are you? Good, good, good. Um, I'm fired up. You know, I'm always excited to talk to you, KP. On uh, the yeah, last, the last of there. See, how about that? We got that out of the way. We needed to have the what are we talk. We're excited. That's what we are. Um, <laughs> what are we? We're excited. We're passionate people. Always. Um, I want to say this, though. I, I only got up to speed in the last hour in the slandering of Katie Pavlich by media. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little emotional right now, KP. <laughs> I know. I'm not happy about this. So basically, I told the audience, and I want you to give us you know any other context that you can, we played the full scope of your comments, okay? And I interpreted them to be the indictment was part of a larger picture, uh, that almost seemed to be as much of a warning to other people who might want to work with Republicans as it is to Donald Trump and the people who support him. Is that kind of a general take? Yeah. So, first of all, it's not the first time that mm-hmm. media has engaged in this kind of absurd clickbait, yeah. argue, you know, stories, mm-hmm. thinking it's a story. It's not a story. It's I usually don't respond to yeah. things like this, but it was just so frustrating that they took it out of context completely. We were talking about the indictment. I made the point that because of what legal experts were saying about the charges coming from a local DA in Georgia, um, that this would, and I've talked to people that this would uh, affect on people who want to be involved in the political process. I mean, if you think you're going to get indicted for being an attorney for a Republican um presidential candidate, not to mention a Republican president, you might think twice about getting involved in politics. And this is not the first time this has happened, by the way. The the federal government went after the Tea Party movement with the IRS to do the exact same thing right before the 2010 midterm elections. They were opposing Barack Obama's agenda, and the IRS went after them and was targeting these very, you know, salt-of-the-earth, grassroots folks who had these tiny little Tea Party groups in places like Alabama in Texas and Kansas and Arizona with, you know, threatening letters, demanding audits of all of their paperwork, putting them out of, you know, essentially financially, uh, personally, they were completely destroyed by the IRS. I mean, they've done this before. And, you know, Democrats always set these standards with 
the rules. And then once they're enforced against them, they don't understand why or where they came from. And so all I was saying is they should be careful about, you know, criminalizing the process of asking for recounts in this country because Democrats do that a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, I watched a lot of video montages where Democrats were encouraging the Electoral College to vote their conscience in 2016. Do you remember that? Exactly. Yes, I do. The actual certification of the vote. And everybody who follows politics, as we do, knows there are probably a week, if you added up all the clips of Stacey Abrams saying the Georgia election was stolen, is it not a little rich that in the state that indicts Trump, Stacey Abrams ran in that state and has spent the better part of five years saying they stole it? Well, and and all of the all of you know all of the what the indictment reads is you know they're using people's text messages and the president's phone calls and statements that were made about you know getting in contact with election officials as evidence for a criminal conspiracy. And it's like okay, that, that that's the criminalization of conversation and pursuing avenues that are legal to try and figure out what the vote count is. Now, I'm not saying that Trump's attorneys, that Trump was right, mm-hmm. that Georgia was, quote, stolen, as they claim. But I am saying that, that you know, you're allowed to in this country make those points, and Democrats have. And I also said in the clip that you played that, mm-hmm. you know, there's this misconception now or this thought that, you know, Republicans are not allowed to question elections, even when shady things happen. Mm-hmm. But Democrats are. And not only are Republicans not allowed to question them, they will put you in prison for it. And that's a problem. That is is not American. That is third world behavior. Mm -hmm. And if a country was doing that somewhere else, the State Department would have statements about it every single day and ambassadors flying in to talk about why it was wrong. True story. But it's happening here. No, it's sick. Katie Pavlich is on the line. And, uh, you know, we're trying to have a grown-up conversation, a big boy, big girl, a big they, a big them conversation. You can't even do it. Do you remember when you were a little kid and they had sing-alongs and the guy would play on the piano would be like, just the boys, just the girls? Could you imagine they did that yeah. now? Just the non-binary cisgender. It's like, this is tiring, people. I can't. It's, it's too much. I can't keep track of it all. <laughs> just all together. Let's, let's just get it all together. Could we get it all together? It's crazy. Just uh, call it a blurb. It's so silly. Well, let's talk about this, okay? Because obviously we've got this Trump reality, but there's this other Biden reality happening today where the Inflation Reduction Act is turning Mm -hmm. one today. Okay, so far as I know, Bud Light has not given it a commemorative uh, can to celebrate one year of inflationhood. (laughs) But uh, wouldn't you argue that the bigger celebration, because I know Biden's having a party at 2.30, but wouldn't you argue the bigger celebration is probably going on in China, given how much we've outsourced to them? Yeah, no, it's it's incredible. I was watching the White House briefing right before I came on to do your show, and uh, Karine Jean-Pierre made this weird joke about, like, a one-year-old off and running and how one-year-olds can't really run but this one-year-old can and it was like what? <laughs> okay and then john podesta gets up there to, to the way that they've changed the narrative on this is absolutely incredible so when the inflation reduction act was falsely named and passed a year ago with jo- joe manchin destroying his political career by <laughs> voting for it yep. and having biden hand him the pen that he signed it with yep. um it, we knew it was a big handout to the climate agenda, right? Uh-huh. Like it was completely chalk. It was the biggest handout to, to quote climate change activists and groups and funding for what they want to do with this transition they're pushing. 
in the history of the country. But they called it an Inflation Reduction Act because, you know, that was the number one thing causing problems for Biden politically and the number one thing facing the country because people are paying $700 more per month now um, because of the inflation that Joe Biden and the Democrats have driven this country into. Now, because Joe Biden needs Gen Zers who are very, very concerned and having anxiety over, quote, climate change, they're now touting from the White House briefing today that this is, in fact, a huge climate bill. <laughs> and it's like, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. It's such a racket. Like, we're living in this weird death it's of shame where, like, yeah. nobody cares. Like, imagine you, this is the equivalent of, like, let's say you passed a bill called Save the Puppies, but you were actually mm-hmm. executing puppies, which I don't recommend, but I'm saying that's the equivalent thereof because they made inflation worse, all things considered. Yeah. And there's more money in the market. And, yeah, it's like a giveaway to China. But it's so crazy. They had a concert on the White House lawn last year. Do you remember that? James Taylor yes. played? That yep. is hilarious. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and they, I mean, look, the China thing is amazing. I mean, they're stopping, you know, oil and gas drilling in America. Mm-hmm. Now they're sending all this money through the, quote, Inflation Reduction Act to mm-hmm. China because all the companies that are making solar panels and wind are in China. And the ones that are here are going bankrupt. So it's just they're sending our money over there for yeah. things that don't work. Uh, it's just incredible. It's actually it's it's a weird form of wealth redistribution because to be fair, yeah. Ch- China did give them a lot of wealth, so they feel some yeah, guilt to cooperate. They're just paying them back. <laughs> they're just paying them back. You know the favor. Well, this is basically just it's climate policy has turned into a Venmo where people split the check at dinner. They split the check yeah. on Hunter. And we're like, all right, what do we owe you? Yeah, we'll, exactly. We'll yeah, get... what do we owe you? No problem. <laughs> Have you noticed this thing? And it's very fascinating. Um, I, I don't know that KJP is doing uh, – I don't know if she's doing the briefing today. I didn't read that yet. She is. Oh, yeah, she is. Okay, she good, good, good. Okay, yeah. you'd mention that. She just um, made that weird joke. Oh, yeah, no, that part. Okay. I thought that was yesterday. That was today? <laughs> no, it's today. It's just now. It was I, five minutes ago. Yeah, well, I can't keep up with you, girlfriend, because <laughs> I'm still playing clips right now from yesterday because what I was going to tell you is, like, there's this new thing going on now. Whenever they ask her a question, she's now instead of you – know, it used to be like, I've got nothing for you. I refer you to the Department of Justice or whatever the case may be. She's now been reduced to just yelling at people for asking these questions she doesn't have answers to. It was like it, start, right. it started with the cocaine thing where they were like, how <laughs> – you know, personally, I think that's an irresponsible question that you would suggest the son might or it might be the family. <laughs> <laughs> That's so yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah, she, and then she's like, gets asked about a pardon because the Hunter Biden's yeah. plea deal falls apart, and they're like totally caught off guard. <laughs> and she's like, "No, no, it's we're not doing a pardon. <laughs> like, no. you might need to do a pardon. <laughs> you might, you might need to." There, so. she's she's literally putting out like a swear jar now, where you have to put money in it if you ask certain questions. <laughs> you got to put a quarter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you should you should get her joke today because I, I think your audience would uh, appreciate laughing at how bad it was. Oh, that's funny, KJP. Yeah, uh, it's no Jimmy Fallon level. level oh, boom, Katie Pavlich. Listen, man, my um, this is something we have to talk <laughs> about. So the audience knows this. I'm shooting a stand-up special for Fox. It's actually going to come out in nice. January, but the shoot nice. is, the shoot is in mid-October. Now, part of the shoot for real is obviously you got to wear something. So uh-huh. I have I have right. like my first meeting with the wardrobe team today, 
And okay. I okay. will, when I get actual suggested looks, I will legitimately run them by you. Like I'll text you stuff. You, you definitely should because I like the wardrobe people, but yeah. I'm afraid that they're going to be a little too uh, safe. Oh no, they have we no. got to have it be real Jimmy. No, no, no. I consider the wardrobe department here like the way I considered stop signs when I was a cab driver. They're suggestions. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> At exactly. the end of the day, you got you still got to drive that taxi like you stole it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, exactly. We got to we got to get this, and this is like a permanent fixture. So we gotta we gotta rock the outfit, Jimmy. That, gotta make sure everything's on point. No, no, we're gonna stick the landing. But yes, it's very much yes. gonna be you and me. I don't know that I'll open the meeting by telling them that. You know, me yeah. and Pavlich were just talking on the radio. <laughs> Yeah, it's nice. going over my Elvis style outfit. <laughs> but it works. It's good. I'm telling you. Do you know how you're going to laugh? Your signature. Where I was, okay, I was just at, um, it was the Grand Opera House in St. Mary's, Ohio. And the staff actually went out and bought these absurd red tux- paisley tuxedo jackets. Uh, and they all wore them for the night of the event. It's kind of like an homage slash like a tongue-in-cheek joke. And uh, now I'm starting to wonder if, like, this is getting out of hand, you know, because people are bringing me like people bring me jackets to events now. People show up dressed as me. I love it. I love it. Y- you do. Uh, but not everybody yes. who works here does. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but, well, uh, you know what? They just don't understand. Thank you. It was Will Smith you know? who sang Parents Just Don't Understand, but it was Katie Pavlich who spawned the spin-off. you got to get people to bring you some boots. Those are the real expensive things. Oh, my God. You've got to get someone, you know, if you do, like, a Texas tour. Thank you. You know, get someone to make you a pair. You know what I might do for real? Like, because the way I got started in boots is different than you were just out shooting things, okay? And, you know, you have your <laughs> Western swag and <laughs> everything else, okay? It's great. Yeah. A little Pavlich militia, okay? I get it. Don't, <laughs> no one messes with you guys, okay? But I actually, I rode a lot of motorcycles in my youth. I used to ride a lot of Harleys and choppers and stuff nice. like that. I grew up in a big bike family. So that's where my boot fixation actually comes from. And I would tell you, I think, you know, when you shoot a stand-up special, that you know is going to be around for like 20 years, you need the look to age well. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to be in something. So that kind of brings me back to this other idea I have, which is like good jeans, amazing boots, and a T-shirt. I know that's underwhelming because people expect me to be in that Carol no, Baskin you gotta, collection. You gotta have a jacket, Jimmy. You want a no, jacket? No, no, no. You gotta have it. You gotta have a jacket, man. Does it's it, the signature. Does it need sleeves? It does need sleeves. Oh, yes. Pavlich, whose side are you on here? All right, cool. All right, back. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm just maintaining the brand. I'm your brand manager too. Apparently, you now are. With the fashion mafia, <laughs> you so picked up another job. You got to make sure that the fashion is on brand and a t-shirt's just not, not, not Jimmy. No, no. no you're right. No. Be a jacket and boots. You got me. Jeans what, are good. What if it's one of those t-shirts that has like the tuxedo printed onto it? I mean, you could do that, <laughs> but I think that cheapens you a little bit. You're all right. Good. You got me, Pavlich. This was a successful <laughs> intervention as always. Thank you for your yeah. consultation. Send me the invoice. You're welcome. I'll see you soon, yeah, girlfriend. So you're the best. There she goes. The great Katie Pavlich, who is quietly, well, not quietly anymore, uh, my fashion consultant for my upcoming stand-up special. It shoots October 13th at the Paramount Theater in Huntington. You're all welcome to get a ticket and go. Lord knows we need an audience. Comedy definitely better with people there to laugh at it. Um, But, yes, we're working out today at 3.30 when I get off the air is my first, like, sit down with the wardrobe department to start sketching things out. Then you get to meet with the people who design the stage, the set, the camera's going to be here. You know, do you want us to shoot you from there? It actually is, like, a really fascinating thing to be a part of. And I would tell you this, man. As people who, like, listen to the show and root for me and send me messages and stuff, 
stuff. Thank you. Like, I know I say it a lot, but seriously, thank you. Like, I'm not doing any of this, none of it, without you people. Like, nothing. There's nothing about it. Um, and I appreciate these opportunities so much that, like, you really just put everything you have into getting them right. Um, you don't so much as enjoy them so much as, like, when you're doing them, they're awesome. Like, talking on the radio is awesome. Doing stand-up is awesome. But every minute when you're not talking on the radio or doing stand-up, if you're smart, you're just terrifying yourself into working harder. I've told you this before. I have in my brain at all times an abusive stage dad who just follows me around calling me names. You know, like Michael Jackson had Joe Jackson. You know, and, you know, he'd just scream at you all day. And then right when you were about to go on stage, you'd be like, you look good, Michael. And you'd be like, I do. This is amazing. That's what I have to do all day. I walk around just berating myself. You suck. You're the worst. You fat slob. And then right before I go on stage, I'm like, this is totally false. And then you give yourself permission to do well. So quick commercial break so I can yell at myself back after this. The critics have spoken. Well, that was different. Yep, lousy, but different. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is. It's letting these 80s music beds rock out a little bit. It's Fox Across America. It's Wednesday. You need some good vibes. The country's on fire. The White House right now spiking the football on the one-year anniversary of the Inflation Reduction Act. Thank you for the education, gentlemen. We've just received a Ph.D. in stupidity. <laughs> Inflation and Reduction Act is a year old. They're having a ticker tape parade in China where we outsourced all of, our, all of the infrastructure for green energy. China, do you understand? Just, just work with me here, okay? I don't care what your position is on climate change. I don't care. Okay, it could be mine. Doesn't have to be mine. Who cares? The whole point of America, yo. Seriously, this matters. Think whatever the hell you want. Freedom doesn't mean we got to be mad at each other. Doesn't mean we have to be enemies. We're not enemies. We all play for the same American team. Okay, doesn't always feel like that, but at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, as this country goes, so do we. Okay, when the left starts outsourcing. All of our climate change to our biggest geopolitical foe in the world. Here's a newsflash. They're making them stronger. That is correct. So just start there on a basic, basic level. OK, China's trying to overthrow us as the world's dominant superpower. OK, we are enriching them day in and day out with our own domestic energy production. That's stupid. Use your common sense. We've changed our domestic energy policy to become wildly, wildly over-dependent on the green energy infrastructure that is manufactured in China. They, 95% of the solar market comes from China, okay? China also owns the vast majority of the minerals that are needed, okay, to power the cars, the ion lithium and stuff like that that we're using in electric cars. So we could argue about whether or not, you know, Climate change is real. I mean, we do have real data that shows us the people pushing it are getting paid like crazy. Money, 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 money. But do we have data that says the actual climate is changing because of anything we're doing? The answer would be no. And that's a good thing. Because if man is affecting climate, every single one of us is And why do I say that? Because China is out polluting us on a five to one margin which means we could cut our emissions to zero and it will still get worse because of what they're doing in China. Bingo. 
So when you sit here and tell me, ah, happy anniversary, one year of the Inflation Reduction Act, we sent the money over to China, you morons. Good goodness. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it is, girlfriend. And we are fired up in this hour because we're going to be playing host to Riley Gaines, a superstar female swimmer who swam alongside Leah Thomas, a biological male. That's not right. She was under immense pressure to say it was uh, until she got sick of it and realized that tolerance was not a two-way street. She began to speak out against it, was ultimately assaulted at the University of San Francisco or San Francisco State University by the crowd that says they stand for tolerance. Democrats are so full of crap. It'd be very interesting to get her take on everything that's gone on since then because Riley and her boyfriend, super cool people, I got to meet him in D.C. at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, uh, has been on the front lines of probably the biggest raging culture war in the country right now which is the idea that there are no biological differences between men and women. Boys are boys from the beginning. If you were born a boy, you stay a boy. Girls are girls right from the start. If you were born a girl, you stay a girl and grow up to be a lady. Oh, my goodness. If Mr. Rogers said that today at a college campus. Somebody ought to belt you in the mouth. Oh, they would kill the guy. The guy had no chance. Imagine. He walked in and was like, men and women are different. I'll break you in half like a little toothpick. They would have... <laughs> Mr. Rogers. It would have been in a headlock. They would have knocked him out. Think of this clip. If this was played at a modern college campus. Only girls can be the mommies. Only boys can be the daddies. Yes, sir. Oh, my. Could you imagine? They'd be like, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. It's insanity. And you understand this is where we are in political discourse. This is why somebody like Riley Gaines is, I mean, courageous. As a female athlete, as a biological woman, okay, we are right now observing the 50th anniversary of the passage of Title IX, which leveled the playing field for female athletes, okay, gave them better funding, better scholarship opportunities. We're now living in a world where the Democrats are fighting to make it Title Nine inches. What the hell did you just say? Okay, understand. Okay, they now want biological men jumping into the swimming pool against biological women what the hell is the world coming to but what they're telling you which is even crazier than what the world is coming to is that if you oppose this okay you are espousing violence the reason they felt justified in attacking riley Gaines is because the democrats have passed along this belief that speech equals violence first of all anybody telling you speech is violence is really just telling you they've been privileged enough to not experience real violence. Correct the mundo. I mean, I can tell you as a cab driver, as many times you get punched or kicked in the head or hit with a trumpet by a mariachi band, you never walk away going, man, it could have been so much worse if they had called me names instead. Oh, the speech, it's so violent. Speech is not violence. That's clown stuff to say otherwise. But you understand the way the left is pistol-whipping people into compliance is by saying, agree with us or people will die. Say that men and women are the same or you're going to lead to a spike in mass suicides amongst the vulnerable transgender community. Did you ever stop to wonder if maybe, I don't know, 
If the transgender community is, in fact, subjected to higher rates of suicide, maybe it's not helping to tell them everybody in the world wants to kill them. I think he's got a point. I mean, I would bum me out a little bit if everywhere I went there, like, yeah, everybody wants to kill you, right? Like, gee, let's just order in a double cheeseburger at Wendy's. Well, you order it fast because they're going to kill you. They want to kill you. That's what they're doing. That's how they're getting their way. And in doing so, not only are they pistol whipping people into compliance, but they're pistol whipping science into compliance. Understand, this is Serena Williams, okay, saying something on the David Letterman show in the year 2013 that would actually get her fired from her corporate spokesperson gigs today. She's, of course, endorsing Nike. She's one of the greatest tennis players of all time. Okay, she was asked in 2013 by Letterman, about the possibility of playing Andy Murray in an exhibition. Andy Murray being her dear friend and a male tennis player. Serena being the greatest women's tennis player of all time. Here was her response. For me, tennis and men's tennis and women's tennis are completely almost two separate sports. So I'm like, if I were to play Andy Murray, I would lose 6-0, 6-0 in five to six minutes, maybe ten minutes. Because No, no it's true. It's true. It's a completely... It's a completely different sport. The men are a lot faster, and me and um, they they get they serve harder, they hit harder. It's just a different game. Mm-hmm. And I love to play women's tennis, and I I only want to play girls because I don't want to be embarrassed. I would not do the tour. I wouldn't do Billie Jean any justice. So Andy, stop it. Yeah. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna let you kill me. I admire your honesty. But she couldn't say that today. If she said that today to the left, they'd be like, "You're the lowest form of life on earth." Oh, they would kill her. I mean, um, if she said, I, I don't want to get embarrassed by a male tennis player, it's a different game, they're faster, they hit harder. Why, you little maggot, you make me want to vomit. She would be canceled in a second. And she'd be canceled for telling the truth. Okay, that's the world we're living in now. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. Okay, understand what's going on right now. Enos Cantor, Enos Cantor Freedom. You've seen him on the network a while. Okay, he is a guy who, of course, risked life and limb to criticize China, to criticize Turkey. Okay, he is a guy who's been blackballed by the NBA. Why? Because he refused to play along with the NBA's narrative that China is not the biggest human rights abuser in the world. Okay, if you ever put on, if you ever really wanted to lose your faith in humanity, Okay, I'm talking worse than after you watch five minutes of The View. The View is awful. But if you ever really did, if you read the United Nations Human Rights Report on the abuses in China, it will crush you. It will crush you to nothing if you knew what they were doing to Uyghurs in the Hubei province of China. Okay, Uyghur Muslims harvesting their organs, putting them in labor camps, re-education camps. Horrific things. Things that went on in the Holocaust are going on in real time today. And major American corporations are looking the other way on all of it because they want to make that sweet paycheck from that massive Chinese population. Money, 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 money. Every single time. Okay, the the referees, the social justice referees at the NBA don't blow a whistle in China. Are you crazy? China pulled the Houston Rockets off the air. Okay, because Daryl Morey, who was the general manager at the time, expressed support for the pro-democracy protesters in Hong Kong. And the NBA was like, ah, he should have educated himself. Do you remember LeBron James saying that? He should have educated himself before he spoke. What was the NBA really saying? Please give us money. Come on, China, we need that cash. 
But what happens is people, okay, who purport to stand for tolerance and equality and justice and everything in between are forcing other people to renounce their own rights, beliefs, okay, and scientific truths. Here is Enos Cantor, who spoke out against China and was blackballed by the NBA. He was appearing on America's Newsroom, and he talks about the idea of joining the W. NBA, which technically speaking, he should be allowed to do, right? Here it is, clip 28. I mean, I, got, I did get actually a lot of support. I mean, would that be fair? You know, I am seven foot, 270 pounds. And if I decided to identify, uh, identify myself as a woman and decided to play in WNBA, put on a wig, and I changed my name to just say Anisha, would that be fair to all the a uh, woman, you know, who chasing their dreams since they were a little kid. And it's technically what would happen if you put on a wig and were to try out? Would you be allowed <laughs> in? I mean, if I am allowed in, I will average 60 points and 30 no, rebounds. No, but technically, like, I will, are, would they allow that? Do you know, like, is, do they have any rules in the WNBA that biological men can't play? I don't think there's any rule against it. Okay. So if I ever, if I want to show a point, actually, I can just put a wig on and just call some couple GMs in WNBA and say, hey, sign me. <laughs> and guess what he would do? He'd break every scoring record in the league instantaneously. <laughs> Guys, it's not hateful. It's not malicious. Okay, it's not anti-trans. It's pro-women. It's pro-biology. The winner of the men's New York City Marathon beats the winner of the women's New York City Marathon by 15 minutes. And that's in New York, where the women are running faster because they're getting chased by some pantless hobbit, some lunatic. Okay, New York is nuts right now. But you understand it's not wrong to say there are major biological differences between men and women. Riley Gaines witnessed them up close, unfortunately. She saw the biological differences when Will Thomas was getting changed in the, uh, in the locker room with her. <laughs> Think about that. So you've got a man, a biological man, okay, changing in the same locker room with biological women. That's not right. Okay, I mean, I would have been down with it when I was in middle school. <laughs> I probably... <laughs> I probably tried to get in that locker room a time or two myself. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. But I never did it under the auspices that I could just claim to be one of them and they'd let me in. But you understand what's happening is an erasure of women. Okay, because women are losing out on scholarships and medals and trophies and everything in between because men have a distinct biological advantage. Nobody, nobody pointing this out is saying if you're trans, you don't get to play sports, go screw. No, what we're saying is everyone should be competing against members of their same biology. That's the all that's all we're saying. And then the people who are on the left are like, this is trans genocide. You're a bunch of murderers. Never seen anything like this. How dare you come this is They're crazy. No, they're not crazy, okay? They're not crazy. They know the truth. They're just full of they get what they want. They want they're not here for progress. They're here for power. Okay, they're not here for tolerance. Okay? They are here for forced compliance. Tolerance would be the ability to coexist with views you don't necessarily agree with. Okay? What they want is do what we say or you're crushed, you're fired, you're banned, you're a monster. Okay, that's not tolerance. That's not what they're here for. Okay? What we're offering is tolerance. Hey, 
If you're trans, compete against members of the same biology, same locker rooms, you play sports, you have all the access in the world. No one is denying your trans child access to sports. Okay, and that would be fair because it would be a level playing field. They won't even dignify that as an offer, as an entry point to a negotiation, because according to them, that means you're actually a violent bigot trying to kill these people and spike suicides because you won't pretend that men are the same as women, something we were all on board with doing like two years ago. Okay, think about this. In 2018, Sasha Baron Cohen, Ali G, Borat, great series. Okay, he had a Showtime series about America. And he closed the series, series finale, pretending that the woke left was going to get so far out there, they'd start pretending that men could have babies. <laughs> and we did. We laughed. We were like, oh, my, could you imagine? Could you imagine, like, this thing went so far that they were just pretending the men were having babies? And it was something that was considered the height of comedy. Okay, just the same as in Monty Python's The Life of Brian in 1976. They have an iconic sketch about a man announcing he's a woman, and everybody there is like, You're a loony. Why? Because he tells them he can have babies. That's what he says to them in The Life of Brian. And what do they say? That is a fact check false. And it becomes funny because they're just giving him a biological lecture and all the jokes hinge on biological terms. Okay, this was considered the height of comedy three years ago. Now it's considered a serious starting point in a negotiation. Okay, in the culture war that we're currently engaged in. And you understand they're using this ridiculousness because the pushback against it allows them to brand you as intolerant. Which then socially pressures people into playing along And it creates a massive divide between what people know to be true and what they're willing to say in public. Okay, that's how Will Thomas went from the 432nd ranked male swimmer in the world to the number one ranked female swimmer in the world. And he did it while he was not only battling his fellow swimmers, but he was also battling shrinkage. Okay, not easy being a male swimmer in those cold pools. But there was Will Thomas jumping in and going from 432 to number one. Okay, and you're not evil for pointing out the ridiculous of Nat again and again and again. You're not even anti-trans. Go be whatever the hell you want. It's America. Okay, but at some point, if we're going to tell you we fight for tolerance and equality, we have to show some to biology.
Critics are calling it the funniest show on the radio. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I almost had it. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We're going to be talking with Riley Gaines in the next break about the fact that some biological men are making a mockery of women's sports. So let me give you this one over the weekend. Okay, April Hutchinson, fascinating, okay, was talking about, you know, she's a power lifter with the Canadian Powerlifting Union. Uh, She was talking on their talk TV network uh, that she's been fighting this federation to ban trans women. Why? Okay, because a guy switched (laughs) from a male to a woman, just registered as a woman. No change, no surgery, no nothing. Switched from a male to a woman and broke the women's powerlifting record by over 210 pounds. 210 pounds. This is ridiculous. Uh, beginner's luck, I guess, right? Here's April Hutchinson, clip 29. Two days ago, we saw a biological male literally crush the women's master's powerlifting category by almost 500 pounds. Oh, 500 Taking away the national records, also the second highest deadlift in powerlifting history. So men don't have an advantage, right? Hmm, okay. It's so important to keep women and girls sports fair and safe. We need to use our voices, men and women, to let everyone know that Fairness and safety has to be top priority of every federation. Bodies play sports, not identities. I admire your honesty. That's a great quote. Bodies play sports, not identities. Truer words have never been spoken, uh, although you will get chased and beat up for speaking them. Uh, Riley Gaines, one of the people that has experienced all of that, she's going to join us next to take us inside her battle Uh, For actual tolerance, not do what we say or else, actual tolerance. We'll have her right here uh, when we come back on the big bad one and only high-flying, death-defying Fox Across America. Reality with a bit of insanity. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Two fascinating things you need to know about our next guest Uh, Not only is she the director of the Riley Gaines Center at the Leadership Institute, not only a former NCAA swimmer, uh, but she saw me drinking at the White House Correspondents' Dinner and still agreed to do this show, which is as brave as anything we've seen out of Riley Gaines, and she joins us now. Riley Gaines, hello! Honestly, I do think that requires more bravery than saying men and women are different, so you're totally right. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, it was you. I'm not even kidding, though. You and Lewis are in the only sober picture I have from that night. Uh, so when, whenever I'm trying to keep up appearances, I've, I've actually had to flex and show that photo a lot to get me out of trouble with HR, you see. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll vouch for you. No oh, you're the best. Well, thanks for coming on. We appreciate this. And uh, we're so thrilled with everything you're doing, obviously, your podcast on OutKick as well. And I kind of want to start here, okay, because we've been following your story. We've, I told you when I met you, we've, we're really up to speed on this stuff. 
Um, it's kind of fascinating that the factual argument you're making here is not based in any actual like emotion or hatred or intolerance for the other side. You're essentially saying the other side of this argument has every right to exist, just maybe not in your space. But what they've done to kind of attempt to silence you, or at least people who agree with you, is they've tried to brandish that as violence. Isn't it kind of fascinating how they do that with a straight face, knowing they themselves have been given to violence to get this tolerance enforced? Of course. Um, but it, it's it's really not surprising. We've seen it time and time again. Um, I'll go to the states. I'll testify. The arguments are the same. They say this is a bill that that when and as it pertains to the fairness in women's sports being put forward, they'll say you know this is a an anti-trans bill where you just want to further marginalize someone who's already marginalized. And it's like this is anti-trans. And you said it exactly right. You know, do as you want. If you're an adult and you want to to live your life in whatever capacity you want, feel free by all means. I'm not one to stop you. Um, I can't say I necessarily support it. Can't say I would ever do it. But I have no control over what each individual does. That being said, once our rights as women, our rights as as Christians, our rights as humans are being infringed upon by taking away our privacy and threatening our safety and taking away our equal opportunities as implemented under a federal law such as Title IX, again, as it pertains to sports, that's where we have to say enough is enough, and that's where we have to draw a line. It's not bio, or Biology is not bigotry. What we're saying is not anti-anything. It's pro-woman. It's pro-fairness, and it's pro-truth. I would give you that all day. Uh, The studio audience is standing and cheering. You can't hear them, but they're very vocal right now. A lot of high fives. They're doing the they're doing the wave. But what I find so disingenuous and this is the part that gets me okay, on a basic common sense level is that when they advance this argument that biology is bigotry, as you framed it. And they say that, you know, this is going to lead to a spike in suicides amongst a vulnerable population. Has anyone ever stopped to think that if you really truly believe this population to be more prone to suicide, maybe you're not helping them by telling them everyone wants to kill them because nobody wants to kill them. But the people who purport to be standing up for them, I would think are bumming them out the most. I mean, if someone told you everybody wanted to kill you every day, wouldn't it kind of bring you down? Totally, totally. Yes. (laughs) And wouldn't you think, you know, if, if you're recognizing that these people have a high suicide rate, wouldn't you think that would constitute some sort of mental health, yep. you know, advocating for mental health sources for these people? Yep. They're not advocating for that because they know, I mean, the arguments they're pushing, the narratives that they're using, they know it's just, it's a classic case of case of ethos. They want to, to pull at the heartstrings. They want to make you emotionally involved, which is what the left does really well, actually, yep. is how they, they base things on emotion. And so, um, what I've been trying to do, how I, I've been trying to use my platform is, is let's know how this emotionally affects us as women. Yep. Being betrayed in, in a sense where the people who are supposed to be protecting us, supposed to be the ones who are, who are holding the laws in place, they totally failed. Yep. They betrayed us. They violated our rights to privacy. And that's a feeling that you can't shake as being in a locker room dressing inches away from a naked, fully intact male yeah. and no one saying anything about it. No one, 
even forewarning you that you would be in that situation, where's the emotions there? Where's the people who care so much about feelings? What about our feelings as well? What about our equal opportunities? Asking us to smile, step aside, and allow these to our podiums, taking our scholarships and our opportunities and our titles. Why has everyone failed? I, I shouldn't say everyone. Why have, again, not to make this political because it really isn't a political issue or it shouldn't be. Inevitably it is. Um, the left, why have they neglected to consider our feelings? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Riley Gaines is on the line. She is an old-fashioned female athlete and that she doesn't have a penis. Uh, she's a very fu- uh, a courageous advocate for the rights of biological women, uh, which she should be. And everyone, I think, would happen, Ryle, is that they create this massive gap between what people believe and what they're willing to say in public through the use of social pressure. Like, I think, you know, Will Thomas became Leah Thomas and didn't really get a lot of pushback initially because I think people were just scared of the blowback i mean would you would you characterize that as how essentially they got their way on this issue at least in the beginning absolutely um people were terrified uh we were threatened with emotional blackmail you know we were told that we would never get a job you would lose all your friends you'll never get into grad school they equated us speaking out they told us if we did speak out and any harm came towards thomas's way then we would be equivalent to murderers because there's a Thomas could potentially commit suicide. They told us we would be murderers by advocating for privacy in our locker locker rooms. And so that does, it, it creates this internal pressure you place on yourself as well as the external pressure to stay silent. And speaking from my own experience, even when I began to speak out um, publicly at first, I felt like I had to adhere to the pronouns Thomas wanted to be used. I felt like I had to say in every interview, you know, uh, I, I support Thomas's transition, even though it felt wrong coming out of my mouth. I felt like I had to. And now, being where I'm at now, where I have a lot more confidence in my stance, I'm a lot more secure with how I feel because I realize the majority of people feel how I feel. We shouldn't have to make compromises. We shouldn't have to give little to feel like to, to gain any. Mm-hmm. There is sacrifice to be made here by women in, in acknowledging what's happening in our sports and our, our once sex segregated spaces. Yep. No, 100 percent. And listen, we we actually we, we applaud it. Uh, I know you hear it from time to time, but you don't hear it enough. Like what you're doing right now is so vital. Because so many women agree with you, but again, they're almost taken advantage of because their default disposition is they don't want to look intolerant and, you know, they don't want to upset an apple cart. But the truth is they're the victims in this story. And the one thing that is always fascinating to me is I think everybody who is on your side of the argument, I think literally every person is saying trans athletes have every right to compete in sports. They should just compete against their own gender. But they won't accept that because that tolerance isn't leverageable, meaning if you if, whether you gave trans athletes their own division or they just competed against their own biology, I don't believe the left would ever be on board with that because then they lose that divisiveness. I think that divisiveness is strategically weaponized. What do you think of that? Of course it is. <laughs> I've been so eye-open this past year. Um, of course, I knew media bias existed. Um, 
but I have been so eye-opened this past year to, to really how they want to keep us divided. Mm-hmm. And again, when I say they, I mean the media. I mean the politicians. <laughs> I, I mean these people in these positions where you make money from us being divided. Yep. Um, they want that. They, they aim for division. Make no mistake. They don't want to unify us. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not what they want. Um, they want to keep us divided and, and by any means necessary, even with us as women being collateral damage in the process. It's nuts. And, and once you stand behind the magician and you see how this trick works, because they're doing it with race, they're doing it with biology, it really is evil stuff because they don't really have a regard for the effect they're having on society. In your case, the effect they're having on female athletes. So really brave stuff. Like if I ever run into you at another open bar, your drinks are on me. <laughs> well, I look forward to that day. <laughs> Done deal, Riley. You're the coolest. Thanks for some time, girlfriend. We'll do it again. Amazing. Thank you. You're the best. There she goes, the great Riley Gaines, who is, like, courageous. Like, she will be in history books for being someone who actually threw the challenge flag on behalf of biological women and was like, no. How about no? Like, it really, like, this is one of those stories that it really, like, the the reason it resonates with me, if you've seen me live doing stand-up, I talk about the Caitlyn Jenner story a lot. Uh, And I talk about it because I wasn't involved in politics before I started working at Fox. Okay, I was a comic and I was just making observations about the world and I was following politics, but I wasn't like involved. I wasn't covering them for a living and it wasn't 90 percent of my act. I mean, it's not 90 percent of my stand up act now. Okay, but the point is I was observing this from afar with no understanding of how media institutions work or how they manipulate sentiment or how politicians are willing to surf on any wave of misinformation if they think it furthers their agenda. And division is usually the most you know, productive tool that they have in their arsenal. Okay, It's why the race card gets played at every turn. If you just say, hey, well, you know, the people who oppose this are racist, right? Most people who are casual observers to the conversation go, well, I, I don't want to be on the racist side. I guess I'm with these guys. And that's what happens. That's what they do with the trans issue. Well, you know, the people who... Opposed this are just transphobic bigots. They want to hate everybody. Did Riley Gaines sound like she wants to hate everybody? No. She went out of her way to say, be whatever the hell you want. Even if I don't agree with it, be what you want. Just don't do it at the expense of women. But where I saw the fraud in the identity politics movement was in Caitlyn Jenner. Okay, Caitlyn Jenner as Bruce Jenner, biggest male athlete in the world when I was a young child, transitioned to become Caitlyn Jenner. And that was significant to me because this was the man on the cover of the Wheaties box that I saw on my family's breakfast table every day for close to 20 years, okay, every single day. A lot of Wheaties in our house. Remember the Michael Jordan commercials? Better eat your Wheaties. That's when he kind of jumped in there. Better eat your Wheaties, that whole thing, okay? But it was so significant to me that the biggest male athlete in the world could become a woman uh, because of the status he held in my upbringing, in my life. And the idea that someone of that magnitude could become a woman, fine, fair, here we go, good luck. He's on the cover of Vanity Fair as a she today. Okay, we're living in a new frontier. I was on TV the day he was on the cover of Vanity Fair as a she for the first time. And I famously said, at least in my head it was famous. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) I said, she looks beautiful because anybody who tells you otherwise in this moment is getting fired immediately. Correct the mundo. Immediately. But she did. She looked beautiful. She was great. Caitlyn Jenner's actually very cool. I've had her on this show, okay? And she's a great hang. 
But stick with me because there's a bigger component to the story, the component being that Caitlyn Jenner became the face of the transgender movement. In a lot of ways, the Jackie Robinson, because she broke a barrier in mainstream society that had never you know, been broken before. We now had a major figure, a major celebrity. I mean, again, Bruce Jenner was a megawatt celebrity. Okay, in the 70s and 80s and 90s and was now married into the Kardashian clan, married to Kris Jenner anyway. Okay, and was somebody who was a frequent, you know, contributor to that show as the dad in the family at the time. And he was, I guess, to younger viewers, just the dad on keeping up with the Kardashians. But to people my age, he was the biggest male athlete in the world. So the idea that the biggest male athlete in the world could become a woman The left could embrace that story and tell us we were all bigots and monsters and we're going to die in hell, a million violent deaths if we didn't support it. Okay, it seemed a little heavy handed at first, but then out of nowhere. Caitlyn Jenner announced that she was a Republican and the Democrats instantaneously were like, get her out, get her out of here. Syria instant. The second she said it, the second she said it, get her out. For real. They were like back to calling him Bruce. It was like, he should be behind bars. Because he was a Republican. Democrats are so full of crap. Totally. But that's when the light bulb went off in my head. I was like, oh, 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 I get it now. This isn't about the cause. It's about the control. It's not about the progress. It's about the power. Okay, this is about creating a wedge in society that can be weaponized with no regard for the people they use to create that wedge. Okay, Caitlyn Jenner was the face of the left, the face of the trans movement, the Jackie Robinson of the trans movement, the biggest name in the world to be a transgender person at that moment and was ostracized instantaneously, at which point a light bulb went off in my head. And that was my entree to politics. It was looking at the Democrats and the people behind the tolerance movement, the people fighting for inclusion and equality and realizing how quickly they could punt somebody off the podium for voting the wrong way. And that's when I realized it's not about diversity or diversity of thought. It's not about tolerance or equality. It's about voting Democrat. And once you see that, there's no unseeing it. Every single time from here on in, some woke, you know, social justice hero gets up there and tells you everybody's accepted and we're fighting for equality and justice. You just say, you are so full of shit. You're riding around with America's cabbie. Taxi. Taxi. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. There it is. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Karine Jean-Pierre was just talking about Bidenomics today at the White House. She is so bad at her job. Apparently so much so that she's now pursuing a career in comedy to offset the loss. As you all know, uh, today is the first anniversary of the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, you know, most one-year-olds can barely walk. Uh, but uh, but this one is uh, this one-year-old is up and running. Uh, I couldn't help myself, sorry. Uh, up and running. So that's very excited. the inflation reduction act is one years old obviously one-year-olds can't but this one is up and running (laughs) 
worst thing I ever heard. Oh, my goodness gracious, KJP. We are being led by clowns. We have an Inflation Reduction Act that, according to the CBO, will raise inflation short term, do nothing to offset it in the long term. The Associated Press put out a report on Monday flat out saying none of the components of this bill are having any impact on inflation. Yet these clowns at the White House are having a party right now. (laughs) Think about that. They're celebrating the one year anniversary of the biggest climate bill in our history pretending to be an inflation bill. The only thing it's missing is a commemorative can from Bud Light. Straight clown stuff. We are led by idiots. I've never seen anything like it in my life. The death of shame is what I like to call it from time to time. Uh, I, your radio leader, am out of here. Show is over. You can see me on Fox and Friends tomorrow morning at 5.50 a.m. I'll be on with Sean Hannity in the evening at 9 p.m. In the meantime, we're going to put together the set and the wardrobe for my stand-up comedy special. So go enjoy your life. Be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Just don't be a... From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.